You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Porpoise Pod with your hosts, Brendan Tobin and Alejandro Solano. We got Sunday night for a little primetime pork this weekend, huh? Yeah, primetime pork, double P action, baby. How much do you think, you know, I don't know, I mean, obviously you're busy during the broadcast, but like how much do you think um, the pregame coverage is going to be tied to Tua and Brian Flores? And how much do you think it's going to be just Tua coming back because of concussions? Because yeah. I know it's going to be all Tua. He's like literally the only interesting thing. Uh, as far as like star power between these, ma- you know, six sealers aren't very good. They're an iconic franchise for sure. But, you know, you Mitch Trubisky's fighting people. Kenny Pickett's got his own concussion that he's dealing with. So I feel like that might be a thing. But how? I guess let me just start here. How much do you think Brian Flores V2 is going to be a thing in the pregame? Had there been no concussion, I think it would have been a big deal. But because of the concussion, I mean, it'll be mentioned throughout the broadcast for sure. And I'm sure they'll mention it in the uh, the pregame show, and it'll be a topic of conversation. But it's not like Brian Flores is an integral part of what the Steelers' operation is right now. Like, he'll be on the sideline. Is he even on the sideline? I don't know. I haven't watched the Steelers this year. so I don't feel be- like I've seen him either. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I – I mean, I'm definitely more tuned into the Dolphins, but I don't feel like – he's like special assistant linebackers coach. I don't know what that role is on game day. Cause I was actually one of those. I was talking with, uh, with Leroy about this. I was like, do you think there's going to be like a insincere to a Flores handshake before the game? I don't know. Yeah. I hope. If he's there, I feel like there is going to be, cause that's just sports, you know, like, right. You know, people try and make this stuff up all the time. Like I was watching uh, TNT tonight and, you know, they have some weird Draymond green, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, soliloquy with uh, set to music uh, about him punching. Oh, did I know? And there's like, choo, 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 choo. So I don't know. That was, I watched the Draymond thing. It was really weird to watch the TNT crew put sad music behind him talking about a punch he threw. Like they tried so hard to make him the victim. It was really weird. I don't think, I also think, you know, being down here in Miami and being so involved in, in, the Brian Flores departure and then watching Tua kind of come into his own since he's left. We're all a little more aware of how that relationship, the inner workings of that relationship probably went down and, and, and what was happening on a day-to-day basis. I don't think the national fan really understands the way that we do, you know? Mm-hmm. The, so I, I don't know. I don't think it'll be that big of a deal, uh, but I hope, I hope we get the, the insincere handshake from Brian Flores because we do know both guys carry themselves on, you know, from from the the brand perspective. Both guys carry themselves like very professional people. Mm-hmm. They both they they're both mature in the sense that you know they're not going to make some crazy gesture in the game. So if if he is on the sideline, I'm sure there will be some sort of handshake, whether it's before, whether it's after. We'll get the video of it and then we'll all react to it. But 
I, I think they've both moved on. At least Tua's moved on, right? Like, he got the better end of the situation, so he's moved on, certainly. I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday. He speaks Wednesday. He's certainly going to be asked about it. He's got a lot of non-football things he's going to be asked about because of the concussions, the recovery. Did he feel like he was put in danger by the team? And so it is interesting that I think you're right. I think locally this is a juicy headline, but nationally the story is he's coming back from concussions and Pittsburgh's dealing with their own concussion deal. And the last time that Tua played, he was on national TV getting stretched off the field. So maybe that does kind of dwarf everything. I am curious, though, because, you know, I, I think you're right. Nationally, probably the bigger storyline is, hey, Brian Flores is suing the Dolphins and the NFL more so than his relationship with Tua Tungavailoa. <laughs> I forgot much, about that. I know. Well, yeah, I mean, Stephen Ross is, you know, he is, you know, off suspension today because of Brian Flores' accusations. Like, he's finally free to be around the team. So it's such an interesting week that he's able to come back and all this stuff is there. But there is a lot of – it's kind of crazy. Like, this isn't – you know, this this season isn't in free fall, but there's just so much non-football stuff that the coach has to deal with. And I think Mike McDaniel's done a little bit of a break break here because he really isn't involved in any of this. He's not part of the past. He's not part of the past rift. He's been as good to two as you could be. Um, he wasn't part, you know, he's already, you know, had the support and has supported Stephen Ross. So I don't think that this might be actually the most normal week that Mike McDaniel's had to get ready for a football game in a while. Um, but now his quarterback has to face all of that stuff. But I, I do say, you know, two is kind of a black belt in dealing with controversy in the media so far. Yeah, no, I mean, he handles it. Like I said, he, he he really is a pro. And you could probably credit some of that to his time in Alabama because they do run that college football program, especially when you're the face of it. They run it like a professional organization. So he look like he's going to say all the right things. He's going to be. Uh, very respectful about Brian Flores. He won't say anything juicy, at least in my opinion. And if Brian Flores is asked about it as well, I don't think he will be um, unless there's some sort of special package put together for NBC because he's not answering questions as the special assistant to a linebackers coach. Uh, But if there is some sort of special package, he'll say a lot of the same things. He said, remember, he was on, was it the I Am Athlete podcast and Omar Kelly was pressing him about the situation and uh, and he said, like, go ahead, ask Tua. You know, we we had a really good relationship. Um, I, I I cared for him. He was my quarterback. And uh, I don't I don't believe him. But that's the route he took. You know, he could have been very honest, and he could have came out and said, yeah, I didn't think he was as good as as you know the front office thought he was. So that's the way I approached it. And I'm I'm a football coach, and I have to do what's best for my team. Like he could have taken that approach, and it would have been more controversial. But he didn't. I think the thing that's going to be interesting about I think the thing that's interesting looking back on the Flores time is that, you know, I, I feel like most of the reaction when the day he got fired was shock. Like everybody kind of looked at it like the guy wasn't a disliked coach by the fan base. You know, like I had somebody tweet me today and be like, why is he being treated like public enemy number one? He's not Adam Gase and he's not Joe Philbin. And he certainly wasn't. I thought that, you know, I think that he definitely had some schematic things as a game day coach that he was good at. And I think that we're seeing, you know, some of the penalty issues, he cleaned a lot of that stuff up and and was good with that. Um, I think the thing that was probably his biggest downfall is that he just didn't seem like a very patient guy 
Um, and, and, you know, in fairness, them did have to go through a year where, you know, they were tanking. Let's just all say they were tanking everybody. And, ooh, <laughs> first, pe- first, first team in sports to ever do it. Ooh. How dare you say How that? Da- yeah, I mean, I, you know, you. sorry. We'll just say, I mean, we watched that Ravens game. We know what it was. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he went through coaches like it was nothing, you know, like he was changing underwear. Um, you know, he didn't seem to really have the patience to deal with Tua's growth and development. So I don't know if like the temperament was quite all the way there, but he was also, it's his first gig too. I think that's a, you know, I think that's, that's, that's something that has to be remembered for him. But like, I I think that our loyalty to Tua, because he's so beloved mostly by this fan base. I know there's a a bunch of ingrates and Cretans who like to be bastards, but I think most people really root for Tua and they do support him and, Everybody was tank, tank for two, a tank for two. Like, I think the fan base has his back. I was reading today uh, in the Miami Herald, Duke Riley said something to the effect of Tua. I've never seen a quarterback who hangs out with his teammates the way this guy does. Like, he's impossible not to like. And so the idea of somebody being a grump towards that kind of like sways how people feel about him. But I do think that Brian Flores, the for his for his Dolphins tenure as head coach, was pretty positive. I was shocked the day he was fired. And honestly, I was a little mad because I was thinking, hold on a second. Like, if there's one thing you figured out here, it's the head coach. But then you find out about Steven Ross on a boat trying to improve the roster. And, you know, Brian Flores has to uphold the integrity of the game, which none of us remember him doing when Tom Brady was deflating footballs or when right. the uh, when the Patriots were filming the, the opposition sideline. Nobody remembers... Brian Flores coming out of the woodworks to uh, to squeal on his team. Um, I, I think that left a lot of people with like a bad taste of flow. And in comes in Mike McDaniel. And in comes in his, I don't know, over-the-top personality, I guess you could say. Maybe not over-the-top personality, but it's it probably is the the complete opposite of Brian Flores. And I think we've all gravitated towards it. And truthfully, just from somebody who has to listen to the press conference every day, every time these guys speak, like, oh, I was sick of flow. Just just sick of him. Every question, he had the most monotone answer. Every question, he wanted to downplay any type of possible answer to just, we're going to do what's best for the team. It was very Belichickian. We know that. Um, But he didn't didn't have the the, the gravitas that Bill Belichick has with the rings. He just didn't. He takes 60 seconds to say nothing. Mike McDaniel takes 60 seconds to say everything. Like that's, that's the difference between the both of them. Like there, you know, Mike McDaniel, it's like hurting cats trying to get through his answers with Brian Flores. It's like, is there like, there'd be like a tumbleweed going through his 60 seconds. And like, I feel like he could just like his, his press conferences could have been so much shorter, Yeah. but he worked so long to say nothing on anything. It was, uh, it is interesting though. Like ultimately, like, what do we think got him fired, right? Like, the Tom Brady thing is such an interesting thing to me because the reports out of this investigation were that he didn't want to get on that yacht to tamper with Tom Brady in 2019. Why? Did he not do it because he truly didn't feel it was right? I don't think that. Did he feel that way because he thought Tom Brady was washed? Like, don't forget they beat him. And he just thought like, ah, I he, whatever he knew, he he probably knew some dirt from Tom Brady, who also doesn't seem like the easiest guy to work with, especially as a head coach. 
So maybe he just didn't want him. And then you fast forward a few years and they're, they try the Deshaun Watson thing. Obviously, you know, he, his life unravels to a complete disaster with all the scandal that he has to uphold. Um, he's going to get suspended. They're not quite sold on Tua. So then like, what's the next move? You know, Stephen Ross is dying for a quarterback. Oh, let's go get my good friend, Tom Brady with my little rascal, uh, Bruce Beal here. And then like, what if they went to Tom Brady and Tom Brady was like, yeah, but I'm not going to go co- be coached by the guy who snubbed me. Like, cause Tom Brady would have that kind of pull. And then as soon as they fire him, all hell breaks loose. They think they're going to, you know, Dave Hyde reported that they had a deal set for Sean Payton. Like, what if Brian Flores getting fired was just Tom Brady didn't want him to be his coach because he got snubbed once on a boat and, you know, and, and Brian Flores ends up out of a job. They think, eh, oh, well, tough nuggets. And he just ends up suing the Dolphins. And none of this can happen now because of everything he's exposed them to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I love I love these conspiracies. Like, I I, I want there to be some sort of documentary about it. Um. I mean, every scenario is possible. I also believe, truthfully, that Brian Flores showed signs of being a really good coach. As much as you know, I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll be team petty on flow and uh, I'll I'll rip him whenever I get the chance. The reality is, he took a team that probably shouldn't have won more than a game, and he squeezed five out of them. He really did right. do that. And then the following year, um, another slow start, and you're a win away from making the uh, the postseason, and then another year where we could say whatever we want about Tua and his trust in him and the way he kind of maybe held them back, which I do believe he did. But once again, he coached arguably the best defense in the NFL or one of the best defenses in the NFL. So it's not like his tenure was a failure, but I do think he struggled to get along with a lot of people in that organization. Definitely. He struggled um, to have a relationship with Stephen Ross, and then when Stephen Ross went to him to try to improve the the franchise, albeit in a a bit of a sketchy way, Flores turned his back on Steven Ross. And I really think it came down to that. I think it came down to Steven Ross saying, hold on a second. I hired you. First time NFL head coach. I bring you in here. I explain to you what the process is going to be. And you've turned your back on me now when I tried to do what was best for the organization. Yes, not in you know, the, the way maybe he should do it, but every team is going to try to get the upper advantage. And if you can get a meeting, you can land a meeting with Tom Brady, every single owner in the NFL is going to be able, is going to take that meeting. Um, and he didn't get along with anybody in the organization and you missed the playoffs three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Even if that first year was a tank, I really think it came down to that more than anything where, you know what, like this, this just isn't working. You don't, you don't get along with anybody here. Nobody particularly loves you in this organization because of the way you carry yourself, which may be uh, conducive of a of a strong head coach in other places, but just not the way I want my head coach to uh, to approach things. Right. And you missed the playoffs two years in a row. Yeah, so I mean, like seemingly, seemingly having like a riff with Chris Greer, who's been here through how many regimes that he has the guy been here. Uh, yeah, hasn't been the GM for all of them, but I mean, from all accounts is like the sweetest guy. I know that people are still mixed out. The jury's still out on maybe his tenure as general manager. I think that's fair. But uh, for Flores to even like, you know, be on the outs with Chris Greer. Uh, yeah, it just shows that he, I, 
I, I can kind of empathize with that a little bit though. Like there are, there are things that, you know, people just, you, you feel like you can't trust anybody professionally and you kind of just take the reins of everything yourself. But I just think that's an impossible thing to do in a team sport. I think yeah. that you have to breathe confidence into people. And I think that you have to be that light that a Mike McDaniel is, um, in a lot of ways. And I think, and I also just think that's the way it's going in the league these days. I don't think there's going to be Belichick's who scoff at poor rookies who try and give him a game ball. But did you see that? That, Oh, that was so mean. That hey, was, so, but I don't, done, Bill. I, just, I don't, just yeah, just ball. enjoy it. Just and enjoy slap it. Slap him on the ass. Nope. And, and, and have a little fun for once but in your life. Bill. I don't think that works anymore. I don't think that, I, I just think that everybody is going to want, the young gun, the guy who can crack jokes or be cool or have a little attitude, whether it be, you know, you know, McCochin or Sirianni or McVeigh or it's Mc, it's, it's McVeigh. Like, I really think he set the standard and that's what we were supposed to have with Adam Gase. And he ended up being the worst head coach in the history of the NFL, but he's a bum. Um, <laughs> that that's the McVeigh's like, Hey, I've been here. I've been in your shoes. I don't need to be, you know, uh, uh, Bill Belichick, I don't need to be Mike Ditka cursing you out on the sidelines. I don't need to be Don Shula. Like we we can do it another way, and and you're seeing it here. Like that's that's the approach a lot of these young coaches have. 